Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme. I am your host, Questlove. We have Team Supreme with us. Uh, You know what, guys? I've been getting a lot of feedback on the internet saying that I'm not asking enough of Team Supreme of where their life is right now. Mm-hmm. Someone actually, mm-hmm. Wow, they actually care. They care about us? <laughs> Someone once like, yo, you used to check up on how Fonte's house is doing and, and <laughs> any repairs. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm asking, uh, how, how, how's, your, uh, how's your time been, Fonte, in the last month or so? It's been good, man. Um, doing, uh, doing more repairs. We did... Um, we did windows, and okay. um, we waiting on like windows like to come because like they measured something wrong, so they gotta come and replace them. But uh, we did windows. Um, what else I had to replace? I uh, had to replace my HVAC unit that went out. I think that was actually last summer that went oh, out. You that mean recording? Cool. <laughs> right. You can't well, yeah, HVAC my HVAC. Plan? No, 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 my HVAC, <laughs> a- HVAC, my, my, uh, my AC. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. So oh, uh, yeah, I had to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah, HV, HVAC. So. Did that and um yeah, but other than that, we chilling, man. I'm cool. It's good to hear. Uh, Steve, how how's how's your life going? It's going, keeping it moving. I'm inspired by the reopening of everything and uh, hoping that. Have you that been you, going places? Oh hell no. <laughs> so you're but, just happy uh, not, not, of places not, opening, but you're not going to these places. I'm fine. I'm I'm finding my solace in in work going to going to work every day as as we have been for a long time but now that the audiences are coming back it's uh it's it's another step feels I good I feel you last night I went to uh I went to a a brother love event and I think <laughs> I, I think I I stayed of all of 2 minutes so <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the other yeah, one. I got you. Okay. She, oh yeah, okay. oh yeah. Okay. The miss, okay. the missus wasn't having that. Like the second we walked in, and it was like a nightclub. She's just like, when oh I hell no. I couldn't we... love her more, Amir. Just, <laughs> oh, are they requiring um, at uh, at Fallon? Are they requiring uh, like vaccination or for the uh, audience? Yeah. Like what's the yeah, yeah, what's absolutely. the protocols? You, you got to get or, you got to get vaccined and and you know okay. get the little handwritten cards that the, they had the kids filling out at the, at the CBS. Oh, oh, guard! Oh, oh, homemade bootleg joints. I'm just saying, uh, they're handwritten. Yeah, that's great. Laya, how are, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Working a lot. 
podcast after podcast. Oh, and by the yeah, time you this, got three podcasts, you're like yeah, you're like Questlove here. I, I'm trying to be, sir. I'm trying to diversify. And by the time this podcast airs, I would have had my first museum showing. My father would have had his first museum showing for his photos at uh, the National Museum of African American Music in Tennessee. So um, we've been curating that, me and Deanna, for Black Music Month, and it's been a lot. And it's I'm just happy that it's probably gonna be over by the time y'all hear the fuck up. Yeah. Congratulations, man! That's up. Thank That's you. That's what's up. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are honored uh, to have a gentleman with us. Yes, I consider him a, a gentleman and a friend. Um, he's pretty much accomplished the world in the past two decades. Wait, side question, Mark? Does it even feel like you've been? You're like a ve- you're a twenty year veteran. You're a twenty three year veteran. Like yeah, you're you're not like our kid brother anymore. You're <laughs> no. You're, you're, you're in a, I was just looking like, wow, Mark, Mark's been doing this shit for 20 years. Um, like he's a, damn, Mark looks old. No, you look the same. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. You look the same. No, I guess none of those things. And, and you know, of course, we all know that like, as you get older, pockets of time, uh, they're quicker because they're less a fraction of your life. But it is bizarre. And I think like when, like certainly to me, the people I grew up, you know, looking up to you, Q-Tip, like, I, you don't, like, when you guys, and I'm not trying to blow you up, turned 50, like, I certainly, like, you didn't feel 50 to me at all. Like, that's kind of bizarre. But no, maybe but that's because I, I need to just not think that anybody's older who's older you, than me. You literally, if I were to see, like, my memory of you as a 19-year-old or a 20-year-older versus now, I I wouldn't tell the difference. Right. Like, you, you have a... You have a, a a gene in you that might be the cousin to black don't crack because you you look the same. Uh, Jew don't you, stew. I don't know <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's stupid. That's, That's stupid. Anyway, y'all, um, you know he's an accomplished musician, a songwriter, producer, label CEO, um, and still uh, an accomplished DJ. Um, if that doesn't impress you, you know, check his resume. Name them: uh, Adele, Winehouse, Mars, Meriwether, um, Cyrus, uh, Wale, D'Angelo, freaking Duran Duran. Oh my God! I can't wait to get to that part. Seven time. Am I getting the number right? It, it's definitely seven time Grammy winner. Yes. Yes. Okay, including the coveted producer of the year. I'm only asking you that because even now, like people keep fudging my numbers and they never get the number five right they're like two-time grammy winner quest love three times yeah. i, I kind of want to be that guy that's like five-time grammy yeah but, you know I, I i can't do that ladies and gentlemen please welcome to quest love supreme the one and only mark ronson yes, sir. yes. yeah where are you where are you right now mark you're in your your lab yeah, I'm in my lab uh, in Soho, New York. I just moved back in. Um, this is a place I actually had in the mid-2000s, right, when I met Amy. And, you know, I, I was in this place for a couple of years and then moved back to England for a while, moved to L.A. And, you know, because of COVID and people fleeing the city like they did, I was walking past this building. And it was actually on Amy's birthday. And I was just like... Ah, I was like feeling a little sentimental, like, let me just buzz up and see what's see what's in there. So uh, I buzzed in the the landlord. I kind of gave I have horrible at making long winded stories that don't get to the point. So please put me. That's back what the show is for. Welcome Anytime. to Quest Love Supreme. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> so I was like, hey, uh, I don't know if you remember, I'm Mark. I used to be on the fifth floor and I got it done. I just thought, because I wanted to come upstairs. He's like, what? You want to rent the space again? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's it. I want to rent the space again. So I came upstairs and I see this abandoned, probably what was like a jingle house in between when I was here last and i was just like wow i mean and you know new york rents are a mm-hmm. bit of a song right now and i took this place back over so you know i really just came in thinking of amy it was her birthday i just thought like maybe i'll get a little picture remember what that room felt like and then it just led to me being back here and then you got conned into ringing it again <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i loved I, just, I did i forgot this place has a really good vibe it was never like a very like a, a name studio, like a hip factory or, or mm-hmm. you know, power station. But the but Nora Jones's first record, you know, the big one was made here. We did most of Back to Black, like all the demo and writing. So there's like, you know how just places have a juju? Like it's just, there's just something in the walls. It's just obviously right. kind of nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you right now, don't give it up because, I mean, I, I, have, a, I have a certain superstition when it comes to whenever producers upgrade and so the place where you found that magic and i know in producers minds is like i gotta grow and i gotta expand but i can show you the history of where the slow wane starts and it's usually when success comes in and then they upgrade and then they upgrade and then shit's not the same anymore so you know if if this is if that's your spot where, you know, your 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 the good vibes were, then I tell you to you you should yeah. keep that spot. You should keep I it. I definitely. I've been on the other side of that equation too. I moved into this like basement kind of hole. It was mildew and like damp in the East Village. Love it. And uh, in like two thousand three, and um, I remember getting a call from this guy, and it was like, hey. Uh, you know, the Strokes used to have that room and they're working on their second record and they're really having like a hard time. Like they might want that room back because that was their weird magic room where they, it was called the wow. Transporter Room where they made the first record. And I was, yeah, I was a big Strokes fan. So I was just like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll move out of here. It never happened in the end, but like I know that that, that what that, uh, what that. To one like, spot, obviously. Right. Yeah. All right. So. I'll ask you, and I, I actually said this on your podcast that, you know, I purposely held back from asking you certain questions in real life, knowing that one day you'd eventually make it to the show. So I didn't, I didn't want to waste any answers or whatnot. So Great. Um, for those of us that don't know, could you please tell us uh, where you were born, what city you were born in? Yeah. Raised? I was born in London. Uh, my parents are English. And then I moved to New York when I was eight and I was pretty much I, I consider myself a New Yorker like definitely but I have ties to London I have my family there a lot of family there I go I've spent time there I didn't really realize weirdly until I started making music and the music came out and it did well in England and like went like fucking sold eight copies here that I had to be like oh maybe this connection to England that I like completely forgot about most of my life musically mm. is is more it's kind of more in my output than I really realize, you know. So wait, let me ask you about your 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 time in in England. First of all, are you consciously aware or unaware of when your accent sneaks in and sneaks out? 
Yeah, it's fucking terrible. I mean, I, I used to hate it. I mean, when you move to a country, I moved here when I was eight from England and like, you know, kids are merciless at that age and they tease you and I, you know, they call me commie, which doesn't make any sense because that's from Wait, England. Wait, you were commie? <laughs> yeah, they call me commie. They're like, shut up, commie. Like, you know, because it's like the middle of like, the you know, the Cold War or something. Right. I have a funny accent. And then... um and then you try and f lose it to fit in as quickly. And then I would go back to England to see my friends. They'd be like, why do you sound so American? Like, I, I realized it was just my, you know, my little, like, it was, I was never going to be able to kind of sound like I was from one place. I hear it when I'm in England and my voice starts to change in the back of a taxi. And as part of it, it makes me think like, what am I like this spineless guy who can't commit to one accent? Or am I such a <laughs> chameleon? Am I so like unsure, like or trying to please people in public scenarios that I'm that easily? But I just I I realize I have no control over it anymore. So I just fucking I've just given up. No, you definitely talk like you. Like I don't think you talk American or English. But like I always wondered in your head, are you trying to navigate the vehicle so that? you don't reveal your English side to us. And if you're over there, you don't reveal your American side to them. No, because I, I definitely, I, I've definitely sounded American. As soon as I went back to England, the first time I'd only been in America for like a year. And they're like, why do you sound like a fucking yank now, mate? And, or, you know, obviously <laughs> they were, they were nine year old kids. They didn't sound like a, like a, like a pub uh, right. bartender. But yeah, no, I hear it when I'm like, I mean, we all have the, all these different mechanisms that we use to assimilate. You know, there's social mechanisms, how we just like, if you're standing next to someone, they're crossing their arms and suddenly you start crossing your arms. It's just like coding and genetics and evolution. But I just like, you know, poor Joss Stone, she got it really bad. She was like the first person her, and I remember Madonna, right? Everyone's like, why do they fucking sound like that now? Joss Stone for sounding American, Madonna for sounding English. Right. But, um, and so I always was like, Oh, is there something that when you sound, when you switch it up that much, is that is that inauthentic? Like, that's the only thing I didn't want to be read as, inauthentic. But you or, had a valid like, reason for sounding like that. They did. Well, I don't know about Josh. I didn't know about that. But right. Madonna, Madonna just came out of nowhere and was like, why does she sound like that? But you were um, that, that happens, though, yo. Like, after yeah. a year, I was saying the word, yeah, after everything. Yeah. Mark, so you play the drums, yeah? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Know. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And everything has to end exactly in England. All the sentences end like on a slightly higher note than they started, and you say yeah at the end. So it's like, all right, so I'll see you at the club, baby. Yeah, bye. Like everything just like goes into this like uh, lilt. It's kind of like Brooklyn. Brooklyn, like when we first got here to record, do you want more? Like every that whole era of like ninety three, ninety four, especially like when Tariq was hanging with like the Gangstar Foundation and all those cats. And they were just talking mad Brooklyn, but like everything was interrogative. Like they were, it was as if they were always asking questions. Yeah. Like, yo, <laughs> I, I, how many pairs of pumas you got? Yeah. Yo, yo right. you gonna eat that over there, kid? Right. Like everything's yeah. a question. <laughs> yeah. And using the word Aggie, which I'd, I've yet to oh, see yeah. any other Aggie. place in the world use Aggie except for Aggie. Brooklyn. Aggie. Yeah. yeah. My my sister weirdly Charlotte uses that word all the time, but just only from like hearing it in Jay Z songs, and she just loves that. She always, she just always goes like, "Why are you acting all Aggie?" That's really Aggie. funny, right? Mark, what was your first musical memory? I have like 
almost snapshots in my head, like partial memories. I remember having a little trap drum kit when I was three or four. Mm-hmm. I I remember also having um, it was either a Sony or Fisher Price record player that was like plastic, like was it the brown joint, or like a little tan one, like a little tan joint where it was. No, this Fisher one was Rice like one? primary colors. It was like red. Maybe it was just like an English one. It was like red, yellow, green, and I just remember lifting the needle and putting it down on the record and just that excitement when the first like crackle happened mm-hmm. and then like just being like whoa i can control this i mean it's so not i mean it's, it's not even deep enough to compare it to djing because it literally is djing but um yeah those are some of my first first memories mark i'll be the first to admit i was today years old before i realized that you are not at all related to mick ronson no. Which I think the whole world thinks you are. Yet, yeah. Your stepfather is Mick Jones. At how is this a common mistake that all of us have made? Yeah. Because in my mind, your dad was Mick Ronson. And I'm like, no, his dad was Mick Jones from far. Now I get it. Yeah. No, it was crazy because even before like Wikipedia, like in the early 2000s when I first came out, like, you know, Wikipedia has made it pretty common that if like somebody gets a fact wrong, it just kind of just stays there. It stays there. Right. stays there but this is weirdly like one of the examples of a of a wrong fact staying there before wikipedia and i think it was because when i first came out in in england where i had my initials like my only success really with my with my solo record the first one that with they Ghostface, knew, right? yeah mm-hmm. they knew that my stepdad was a musician named mick or they knew i was related to somebody in music named mick and my last name's ronson so it must be mick ronson so this started to get written a lot in the in the in the Times of London or something, and uh, Mick Ronson's poor like widow, Mick Ronson obviously being the genius <laughs> arranger, guitar player for Bowie right. and Spiders of Mars, writes to the newspaper, and she's like, um, she's she's like, if my you know thinks that I'm some either some weird bastard child that he had out of wedlock or maybe somebody claiming falsely to be the son of McRonson and she sued the newspaper I think because she was like you know I think that was probably stressful for her to be like wait is there some fucking Ronson running around here wait she sued um, so I think she sued I think McRonson's (laughs) widow sued the paper that time but then you know obviously I did my best to clear up and also because you know I'm proud of my stepdad I don't want people to think I'm trying to ride off the coattails of, of uh, some wrong information but yeah I, I, I'm not related to Mick Ronson just a fan damn I, I never it never even occurred to me that I can just start suing people for false rumors or whatever because yeah you know I Wikipedia insists that my grandfather is um, a member of the Dixie Hummingbirds Beachy yeah, Thompson yeah I saw that I was like for real and people but the thing is, like, reporters just fall in love with this whole thing of, like, wow, three three generations of, of music makers. You, your, your grandfather's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Your dad was a legendary doo-wopper. Now it's you. And now I just I, I don't have the strength anymore. I actually met Beachy Thompson's family, like, I think maybe a nephew or two lives out in L.A. And they just, they're claiming me now. So, you know, yeah. it's like, we got the same last name. Yeah. You might as well just When myth becomes it. legend, print the legend. <laughs> Fuck it. exactly exactly also wikipedia is like the easiest thing to sort of fix anyway so what like there's just some guy that whenever someone works for you changes it they just 
goes back and just puts That's it back. Like we like the old way. Yeah, it's, yeah. I I too try to erase it, and it just winds up back there like three days later. So forget it. Yeah, can't do nothing about it. My favorite like weird thing on that somebody posted on Wikipedia that was just so preposterous that I just had to laugh and leave it was that it said it was like you know all the way down the thing personal life he grew up and da da da. It's like the fourth paragraph. It's like, and also at the age of six years old. He actually wrote the theme song to the hit cartoon Thundercats, but originally wrote it as a tribute wow. to Benedict. That is st- <laughs> wrote as a tribute to Benedict Cumberbatch, and the theme went Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch. 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 Oh! <laughs> I was like, I can't even take that out. It's too good. That's awesome. All right, so th- there you have it, y'all. Exclusive. Uh, you've officially written the Thundercats theme. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. So in growing up, you, you're saying that drums was might have been your first weapon? Yeah. When I was, uh, my parents were kind of like, they liked to party. They had a lot, there was always people over in the house and I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would probably, I'd walk into what I'm told and vaguely recalls this sea of grown-ups, smoking, drinking, whatever, probably walking through the room, getting pat on the head. Um, and I would just go straight for the speakers wherever the music was playing and I would sit in front of the speakers and just close my eyes and play air drums to like whatever was playing. Like that was my like zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, Simon Kirk, the drummer from Bad Company and Free was mm-hmm. there one night and just was like a friend and and of, the, of my parents was like, hey, like he looks like he'd have fun on the drums. Like he kind of looks like he knows what he's doing. Get him a kit. And uh, they got me a little kit. My, and my dad, my real dad loved music like a typical english soul boy in the 60s like had st- stacks winder k frog like all those 45s and he, you know northern that's soul the, stuff northern soul stuff too and just that's what he played in the house so that's kind of just what it was like it was like groove music you know and that's what i was kind of drawn to can i, I just wanted to ask what your parents did because i feel like yeah in some way your life has been romanticized or even hella dope <laughs> yeah as far as uh my dad managed bands and he uh he came from like a kind of like you know a family that was like you're supposed to like north london jews are like a very i wouldn't say insular but it's like you do the family business you go it was like old school tradition this kind of thing my my dad's family were like one generation removed from being like fucking butchers on brick lane like not quite peaky blinders but like that kind of shit and uh and so they, so he, my grandfather made this successful business, like gas stations. It was like, that's what you do. You go work in the family business. So my dad was loved music and they just weren't trying to hear that. So that he kind of like became a little bit of like the black sheep and he went and managed bands and did all this kind of things. And do you remember the band Roachford? Yes. Yeah. Eddie? Andrew Roachford. Yeah. Andrew yeah, Roachford. So right? He managed Roachford. Uh, this was like a little later, but yeah, he like discovered Andrew was in another band and was like, hey, the keyboard player is really good. You should fucking go do your solo shit. So he kind of, you know, plucked Andrew out and, you know, you know, those first couple of Roachford records. And he just loved music and stuff. 